0: Welcome to the Legends of Master show, everyone. I'm your host, Tom Wheeler, and I'm very excited to introduce our guest today. He is a very talented comedian, writer, actor, producer, and podcaster. Welcome to the show, the hilariously talented Ed Larson. Hello. What's
1: going on, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, dude. It's good to be in such good company as your former guest. Thank
0: you. Awesome, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure. I took my uh, my oldest turned 21 on me this year, and she's like, uh, fuck yeah, I want to go to comedy shows. I'm like, what do you want? What's coming up? And we go, uh, uh Jeff Ross is coming up, like done and done. So we really bonded over the Comedy Central, all the roasts of uh, which, yeah. uh, pleasantly surprised that's so how we came upon you, and you helped write up for a bunch of those. Uh, we'll dive into that in a second, but I wanted to say. Uh, you were fucking amazing that night, and I just had to uh, ask you on the show. So thank you for coming on.
1: Hell yeah, man! Thank you. It's so nice of you. I had a great time, Chicago Schaumburg. Wow, yeah. I got to hang with all the Polacks. It felt yeah. like I was at home, man. All you yeah. big motherfuckers, you're you're decent size, but like you know, like the rest of you, they grow big out there, and I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all that miss midwest uh farming corn eating right there uh oh man
1: i went to a polish restaurant when i was in town it was the first time i had like real polish food in a long time and i was thrilled it doesn't exist in los angeles oh so, okay yeah and so it was good to get some good pierogies some bigos some some kielbasa some meat pies i was me and jeff ordered like in Polish food, which is like eight days worth, you know, and like we just we got so sick before our last show. It was wonderful.
0: (laughs) Talk about a (laughs) pregame. Yeah,
1: and then we had a deep dish from uh, Luminati's in the back, and I was just like, how
0: am I going to perform like this?
1: This (laughs) I'd be dead if I lived in your town, man.
0: (laughs) We're not sweating because of the stage lights, folks. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) Dude, I, I got to admit, you know, I had, I am totally, totally admire what you do. I am in the past entertainment wise, I was you a know, traveling musician, uh, guitarist and stuff like that, cool. and, uh, which is always amazing. And maybe it's what you adapt to, but going in front of a crowd, not every crowd's your crowd. Uh, there's different, there's so many different styles of comedy, uh, dealing with hecklers, dealing with just, um, you know, material, original material. How'd you, first off, how'd you even get started on this path of being a comedian? Uh, in college
1: i performed with uh i, I was in a, i started a sketch group called murder fist yes. and um i saw my buddies doing this like sketch thing in my and my other friends like driveway one day and it was just like it was wild like there was a big show it was like a hundred people crammed in this little driveway and <sighs> it, and it was just like i just remember watching it was like i need to do this and uh and so i decided I hit them up, and I was like, "Yo, if you guys ever need anything? I'm here for you." And like, plus, I was their weed dealer, so they couldn't say oh, no. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I started doing sketch with them, and and you know, we're still doing it to this day. Not as much as we used to, but we did it in Tallahassee for three years at the only gay club in Tallahassee yeah. uh, called Brothers, because uh, you know, not only we had a couple gay members, but uh, we also it was the only place with lights. In a oh. stage in Tallahassee, and so we had to uh, we had to go there. We started blowing it out every Tuesday night. We'd have the whole FSU theater department come, which is like a very prestigious theater uh, department as far as colleges go. A lot of it's it's really hard to get into, and most of the people in Murder Fist, you know, besides myself, were actors in this, and so it's what made it so great. And then. You know, we had uh, Henry Zabrowski, who now, I don't know if you know, he's on last podcast on the left. And uh, he was my roommate. And we we and uh, Jackie Zabrowski, his sister, and pretty much most of the last podcast network was a part of that. And we it slowly then we all moved to New York together to do uh, sketch comedy. And uh and we did that for a long time, became a staple in uh, the New York scene. We had like a New York Times article and like we, 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 our sketch was going great, but we were such animals in punk rock that everybody was kind of scared to, you know, give us a TV show. And like, you know, unfortunately we like pitched ourselves as like, you don't want them. They're animals. And then everyone was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for telling us. And, uh, <laughs> but we, but we performed at the pit and UCB forever and, uh, and I slowly started hosting a stand-up show during that time with uh, Ben Kissel from Lost Podcast on the left. We had a stand-up show we ran for about seven years called Dog Shit, and that's where I uh, kind of uh, sharpened my teeth stand-up style. And that was everywhere. That was a, We did that at a small bar at Legion Bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh, the Pine Box, and you know in Bed-Stuy, and then... You know, even like the Coney Allen freak show and like Webster Hall. We went everywhere with that show. And it was so much fun. We'd have episode. We'd have not episode. We'd have like, I look back at the lineups of that show and it's just yeah. like Kumel Nanjiani and Mark Norman and Ali Wong and Kurt Brottle. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, I, I look back at like Pete Holmes and I'm like, Anthony Jezelnik. I was like, how did everyone turn out to be superstars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it was so fun. wild. That's so yeah. wild. It, that was the other thing. I speak of punk rock. I mean, definitely every uh, uh, check that out online because um, it, it pops in again because it's amazing. Uh, Murder Fist. Uh, nothing more punk rock than the Russian roulette scene.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I love that sketch. It's just like a bunch of guys just excited to play Russian roulette. It was just yeah, just so happy about it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. We filmed that in the basement of the People's Improv Theater. They let us do it. Yeah, they let us use the space for free. And so I really appreciate that. Shout out to Ali Faranakian. Go check out that that place is still open. So go check it out. Amazing pandemic.
0: And yeah, speaking of like because you've done, uh, like you said, sketch comedy, uh, your stand-up, like I said, is amazing. Kinda, and you just kind of introduce how you kind of cut your teeth on getting into stand-up. As far as being a writer, like because uh, you have a major side of things with that, whether it's uh, for roasts, we can dabble that a little bit, uh, skits, and stand-up. I mean, imagine that's maybe not completely different, but it's got to be a different beast altogether between those three concepts. Can you kind of go into as your mindset as a writer for those three well, for sketch, you just
1: kind of like the name of the game is just write as much as you can, you know? And so, and so for Murder Fist, we've had we, we you know probably well over a thousand sketches, you know, we would get together and we would just write three times a week and, you know, then we'd practice the other, the other days of the week that we weren't performing. And so <clears throat> that was the reason we were so successful is because of how hard we worked and Every month we had a brand new show, and so when you came and saw Murderfest, wow. it wasn't the same thing every goddamn time, which is pretty much what every sketch group does. And then, of course, you know, you got your hits, you know, that you yeah. play, you know, you got your openers and your closers. We had this sketch boardroom that was like our stairway, you know, like if we yeah. didn't do it, people were mad. And so, we, we, <laughs> we ended up doing that most places we went, but the uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Sketch is just work, 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 and then. You know, each person in the group has different talents, like uh, my buddy Holden McNeely, who, if you want to hear him now, he's on Wizard and the Bruiser on the last podcast network and uh, page seven. uh, He is the greatest concept guy for a sketch. He just like he come up with like three different concepts for a sketch and like and me personally, I'm a joke writer, you know, like that's where I that's where I like I specialize. And so he would come in with the concept and I fill it with jokes and like Henry would Henry Zabraski would help like streamline it and punch it up and all that stuff. So it was always it was it was a good little everyone in Murderfist wrote, but I would say that me, Henry, and Holden, I don't think people could argue we wrote the most. And uh it was just we loved it. We'd get together at like 9 p.m. right till like one in the morning, because we all had day jobs. And then like, okay. and then drag ourselves to our day jobs, and then do it, repeat it in the in that evening. Like back then, oh, I was a chef cook at this place called the Village House, which good. was slam packed every night. It was such a crazy place.
0: Damn,
1: we sold the uh, second most Bud Light in all of uh, in, in all of Manhattan, just behind Madison Square Garden. So you could imagine oh, wow. the clientele. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah no we so i would work like even if, sometimes i'd even be working like in the night and since i was the chef and like manager i could like sneak out and we were the east village so i literally sometimes would like run out and do sets in my chef coat and like you oh, know cool. just yeah because was like little mics all around and you know so i i made it work you know i made it work for me but then the stand-up thing i mean i i've truthfully i've only started to really like try in the last couple of years I would. Oh, I was, really? a good, I was a good host and all that and the sketch things slowed down and and I was you know I've been working with Jeff Ross and you know and I kept going to all these gigs and I'm watching other people do the sets and I'm like man I'm leaving money on the table you know I gotta be <laughs> doing I, I gotta get better at the stand-up thing so I could start like you know doing doing shows when I go out on the road with Jeff and it's yeah. uh it's been fruitful it's been very nice and I've been tightening up my act and figuring out all the nuances. And, and now I, I feel like uh, I've finally got my footing, which is nice.
0: Yeah, I, I can back that up uh, firsthand, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's the other thing is, uh, you know, you know, comedians in general, man, things are so goddamn dramatic. Everything's like end of the world, this virus that uh, you get comedians are really bringing the funny back. You know, that's a, another thing. That's so needed and important right now and and highly appreciated. What have you noticed? um, Are the crowds even more receptive because of that big swing? What do you notice?
1: Everybody's so ready to laugh, dude. They want it so bad. It's so nice. It's, you know, it's everyone talks about, you know, I don't like talking about cancel culture, but everyone talks. I mean, to me, it doesn't exist. You know, I I think that there it always, I mean, it exists, but it always existed, you know, and like, it's a little more stringent now, but at the same time, you know, those jokes are old, you know, that's, you know, that's like, you know, like people say, you know, stupid shit, like, you know, like women make me a sandwich and like, yeah, that's very offensive, but it's also like a hundred year old joke, fucking, you know, punch it up you know you're doing someone else's material you know like it's just like you know at the the bare minimum you know and so i i I like how it's you know been challenging me as a writer to you know come up with uh newer stuff and you know you know i don't try to get too political up there i don't know if you notice like maybe like one or two like sidelines but at the same time it's just you know it, it's so heated out there right now with the politics and everything and oh. and I'm not trying to divide an audience I'm trying to bring people together it's my job to make people laugh you know and so I'm you know I'm joking about stuff that everyone can relate to and I didn't realize that until I performed for a an all Indian crowd not too long ago. And I was like, I was worried going in. I was like, oh, no, are they going to, like, get my material? And then I, like, looked at it. I'm like, it's all about my mom and my dad and trying to have a kid. And it's just like, of course they get it. I mean, it's, just, it's the same for everybody. And uh, I'm so happy that that was the the way I was working. It's like, And so I, I'm not trying to do anything that would ruffles people and divide an audience and like you know who cares like, I don't got time for that that's what my podcast is for yeah that's it. <laughs> yeah that's what take it on on that
0: <laughs> and speaking of which too I mean you did mention uh in the the show I saw you in recently married congratulations
1: thank you thank you very much where's the? there we go oh wow you got pictures for my wedding yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have sources we have people <laughs> <laughs> I was I, the, the camera. No, I good. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used you. Yeah. I got
1: co- I got COVID four days before my wedding.
0: Oh crap! Yeah, oh, no, really it was
1: a fucking nightmare. Where I'm just sitting in this hotel suite above like everyone I love partying for like three days, and I'm just <laughs> like pacing back and forth because I felt perfectly fine, but I was testing positive for COVID. Oh no! And uh, this was a July third, so you know it wasn't that long ago and uh my dependence day it was very nice and uh <laughs> and and we were in i was fucking flipping out i did not know what to do i called uh jeff ross uh who's my he was my best man and yeah. uh which was which is very cool i remember calling him and just being like what the fuck am i gonna do and he calmed me down and he's like you gotta tell everyone and like at first like we were like we're not gonna tell anybody and then i'm like I'm not going to lie to every person I love on the day of my wedding. I just like I like that is not a good way to start this fucking thing. And so uh, and so we told everyone and turns out no one cares. And uh, (laughs) and we like I think like we had 230 people uh, that were coming and like 20 dropped out. And then everyone else is like, let's rock. And I wore I wore a mask as much as I could. The line had gotten more faded and you know and everyone was and we bought 250 masks for everyone who came and five people wore them so i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> no one cares and so and then, and it was great it was it was it was a lovely affair and you you certainly find out which one of your new relatives are fuddy-duddies when jeff ross is making the best man speech i'll tell you that much <laughs>
0: that's that's, a, that's an amazing point i i didn't know until actually uh preparing for this interview uh jeff ross is your cousin is that correct
1: we're first cousins yeah our fathers are wow. brothers yeah but when i was a kid my dad was kind of an asshole and so he estranged us oh. from the family and oh. i didn't know jeff uh my whole life and uh, i didn't know him until i moved to new york and i would you know i'd see him on like Pulp comics or stuff when I was yeah. like skipping school and watching Comedy Central. And, you know, so I'd see him on TV every once in a while. My dad would be like, That's your cousin. You know, I remember we went to go see Celtic Pride and he had this line oh. that he runs out and he's like, This is so- asshole stole my car. And we're in the movie theater. My dad's like, That's your cousin. And I was just like, You kidding me? What are, what are, why are you keeping me for this guy? And uh, <laughs> it, it, so years pass. My dad, I get estranged from my own father. And uh, and then I, I moved for my mother, didn't want to have a Jewish last name. So our our last name, Jeff and I's last name is supposed to be Schultz. And uh, so my father changed it to Larson because his first wife didn't want to have a Jewish last name. Uh, to, and oh, larson oh. was my grandfather's stage name so not to completely disrespect the family and then jeff ross is his middle name uh and so he used wow. to go by jeff Lifschultz forever back in the day and then it just like you know ed mcmahon kept mispronouncing it and shit so <laughs> and so he just used his middle name because it sounded so good and and so like both of us are actually lift Schultz's, uh but you know it, that none of that matters anymore. That name's long gone to both of us. Well, he it's still a, he's still technically a Liv Schultz, not not me though. I'm the only Larson, but not anymore yeah. for either because I took my wife's last name, uh, in the marriage, Rosing. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I'm uh, but Larson's still my stage name, but Rosing is my real name now.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's it's yeah. interesting. it's crazy to even think. You know that that's a path that things go. I. It's uh, so interesting, though.
1: So when I moved to New York uh, to become a comedian with all my buddies, I'm like, well, I'm going to hit up my cousin Jeff and just, like, ask to meet him. And so I sent him, I just blindly sent him a a MySpace message with my, that's how long ago, with my my phone number, and uh, he called me the next day. He was playing Caroline's. And so he had me come up and you know meet him, and I was just backstage hanging with him at Caroline's, and he had, like uh, Lisa Lampinelli was his feature, and Morgan Murphy was the host, and it was just like I was I was like blown away, you know I didn't know where I was, you know, and <laughs> it was, and then like I'm going, I remember Lisa, it was like one of the cool, because I moved to New York like a month and a half earlier, and yeah. uh, and uh, Lisa Lampinelli like asking me if like this joke works, and I'm like, yeah, why are you asking me? You're the genius you know i don't know anything (laughs) and i was just saying you know and and so that was so cool and then afterwards uh jeff took me out to the comedy cellar and we just hung out at the comedian's table all night and it was just surreal it was like jim norton and earthquake and you know i I got to talk to louis ck all night you know when it was still cool and uh and we were it was i was there till like four in the morning just talking to comics i remember just leaving dizzy like i need this <laughs> i need to do this this is i need to double down on everything right now wow and uh and it was great and you know and fast forward a couple years we start working together and now jeff and i've been working together for like 10 years
0: wow and that was, i was going to ask you that too like when did you decide to become like pre- this is a career so that was the moment like where you just like immersed and then that. that's a lot of it too. Yeah. not just networking but just relationships and 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 talking between each other and things like that
1: yeah and like in college we decided we didn't want to stop doing murderfist and that's why we all moved to new york together we took 13 people and we shuffled all we moved together from tallahassee to new york city to keep doing murderfist and uh we even had like a farm team in tallahassee for a little while doing like like jackie's sister i mean mean, henry's sister jackie was doing a like a a version of murderfist down in uh Tallahassee and we would like pull the good ones up to New York and like put them in our sketch <laughs> group. It was fucking cool. And uh and then you know next thing you know, like you know, Jeff's doing us favors and like opening for us and like it was uh it was wow. so it was so much fun. And it just it was yeah. And then you know I, I had a I like I was starting to do a little stand-up like right when I moved to the yeah. city you know because I didn't know any better I was like oh, I'll just do stand- up as a side gig and I'll get like you know hey. you know I'll get like you know like I'll just make a couple hundred a week doing that you know like this like my brand like it is just like it's like no you're gonna pay to bomb you know like <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're gonna do <laughs> and then I remember Jeff gave me a set uh at his one of his Caroline shows he said like, come do five minutes and I came and, like, my mom was there and, like, a bunch of the family came and I got to meet them and they saw me do five minutes of comedy and it went really well. It was an early show. And then uh, I might but my material was, like, very sketch-like, a lot of characters, a lot of, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at all. And Jeff's like, all right, I want you to come do the same set tomorrow for the late show. And I was like, all right. So it's, like, 10 p.m., Caroline's, I go up and I do the same material. I got my ass handed to me, like, oh man, like there is no, like, I got literally booed off stage, like there was like a dude who wanted to fight me, like it, was <laughs> like my, that's how bad my material was, like oh, it was like I was so, it was so embarrassing. I had my girlfriend there, and Henry and his girlfriend there, and like, and I just geez. like, I, I'd never, no one, to this day, I don't think, like Murderface had like one bomb that was like that, but like, to this day, like it was just that was the worst. And it kind of like turned me off from stand-up. and I was just uh, for a long time. And I was just like, man, I was like, if I got to get good at this, I got to do this like every day. And then Murderfist was going so well. I was like, why am I going to fuck with the thing that's going well? And so I kind of oh. dropped stand-up and just started hosting shows and stuff like that for like 15 years. And then uh, I would wow. do a gig here and there when people would ask me to, but uh i I didn't start doing it consistently to you know i would say like 2019 and then uh, really yeah and maybe 2018 yeah Yeah, and now now it's great now it's i figured it out yeah but but it took me a long time in comedy to tackle the beast to stand up man it's man it's terrifying
0: i yeah i was literally gonna ask you like what you know what's the worst you ever bomb someone trying to fight you because it was bombing so hard (laughs) that that suffices (laughs)
1: We had a murder (laughs) fist, had another. Um, we did this, uh, this place called the BAM, it's the Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's a very, very famous museum and uh, just performance space in Brooklyn. And it's just you know, it's very hoity toity. And we had this show where they had murder fist come, and it was like, I don't know, it was some kind of benefit for women's rights, or it was somewhere we should not have been. And like, and then we were closing the show, and then I remember we were just getting heckled by these rich people. And then just like, we had like, we, we had one off color joke. And then the woman was like, that's not funny. And then I heard another person. Yeah. I was like, I thought we were at bam. And then we're doing this normal sketch. And like about, we're doing this like fun sketch about, like trimming pubic hairs at a, yeah. like a pubic pubic hair <laughs> barbershop, and then so like I was like, oh my! In my mind, while I'm on stage, I'm like, if they hate this, the next one's gonna be tough. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> and then we did uh, a very our most famous sketch after that, which is a uh, a rehearsal dinner sketch where Henry just monologues off about like you know the as the the the, the father of the groom uh, delivering a speech, and it's like all about how he like has aids and you know you got any and then he like he like is in charge of Mandingo fighting and like <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like I, and then to henry's credit he did it and you know, like with, with booze and the, it was great it was i look back on wow. uh, both of those though now with fondness and you know, oh, I, would, you I, I wouldn't be the person I am today without those learning experiences. So um, uh, it's weird. I feel like the day Sam Morrill told me this one day when I was mad about bombing in like 2018 or 19. I was I did a show and I sucked and I was just like and then I saw Sam out there and Sam's, you know, he's great. He's, you know, obviously he's one of the greatest comedians alive. Yeah. And uh, he I remember he told me, he's like, the day you don't care about a bomb is the day you become a professional. I was like, Cool got it oh, interesting yeah i was like all right i'll stop uh giving a shit now and just try to write the best jokes i can and that it, it was that really helped me
0: interesting yeah because you can't control the you know the crowd from one city to another you know
1: oh yeah and plus you just you know you get off on the wrong foot right up top you know you lost them no matter what your jokes are you know like yeah. it's, it's so it's just you know you just go through the you just try to finish it and hope the next one's better
0: what's a good way uh, everybody's different, but what's a good way to deal with hecklers and just m- moving on with your set? And-
1: oh, I usually just like if they're, I'll ignore them until it becomes too much, mm. and then uh, because sometimes like you just ignore it and they're like, oh, okay, you know, like oh, I got away with that one, you know, and they'll like, and they'll shut, but they keep going, you just stop down, and just be like, what was that, and then you just let them dig their own hole because it's never going to be smart. It's not it's wow. like and if it is, it'll make the show better. But like right. the, the chances of it being intelligent are yeah. point points point oh oh eight percent, you know, like yeah. the, <laughs> the, the, the chances of being intelligent is their alcohol percentage that they believe. Yeah. Brew. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know and so i usually just let them dig their own hole and then be like okay that's why you talk you don't talk and i do and you know type of deal and you know and if they're awful then we just yeah, you know, i just remove them <laughs> so yeah get, just get it's them a out Charity, of them. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> they're rooting for everybody that, that's yeah. an interesting way to yeah put the ball in their corner yeah the chances of it being anything else that's very interesting yeah and then next thing they you know oh yeah i'm not on stage right now
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's always going to be stupid and make no sense, and then you just let make fun of them, and they'll stop. Yeah. You know, it, Jeff's the best at dealing with that. You know, I kind of learned that tactic from him. Just oh. like, okay, what is that? All right, okay, we'll move on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have anything unimportant to say? You know, like <laughs>
0: stuff. Like <laughs> anything else, class? Um, I want to go into this. Uh, your podcast, man. Uh, you talked about it when I met you. I checked out. It's awesome the brighter side when did you start this i know you've done some other podcasts leading up to it um mm-hmm. like uh round table of gentlemen things like that uh can you kind of go into how that started and, and what's it all about
1: um so yeah so i've been doing the round table of gentlemen uh for a couple of years when i started uh the brighter side and round table of gentlemen is like chaos comedy you know it was just like you know eight people like screaming into a microphone and you know it was a lot of fun but you know i started you know as i got older i and and working with Jeff, uh, I actually started to get like more emotional and and more into like people's like problems and stuff like that and and uh, you know because Jeff and I we we did this uh, jail special where like oh, Comedy yeah. Central was like all right Jeff you get to do a special on anything you want and so we got a writing team together a lot of the roast guys and we're like all right what's the special gonna be let's like you know like what are we gonna do like we could have done anything we could have been we could have like all right let's go roast Bonnaroo you know like it could (laughs) have been anything but we decided uh we were like, oh, let's what about violence? And then we were talking about like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. We were like Jeff Ross rose violence. It's very, I like that. And then like, where would we do that? And then Mike Ferrucci, who's like the most talented writer I've ever known, uh, he was like, well, what if he did it in a jail? And then I was just like, well, the criminal justice system is a fucking mess. And then uh, we're like, all right, so what if we did a show about the criminal justice system in a jail to wow. people incarcerated? And I, I so I like that sounds amazing. Let's rock! And so we started moving it forward with that, and it was just like really opened my eyes. I was never political my whole life, you yeah. know, and it really opened my eyes to how fucked up the system is. And you know, we had the locking up people who shouldn't be locked up, and like how there's more yeah. jails, than prisons in this country, than there are you know schools and universities. You know, yeah. so it's just yeah. like I was, I was like, I hate all this stuff. You know, there's more black men in prison now than. There were slaves, you know, in yeah. 1865, or 1845, or whatever. And so it's just like, man, I hate all this. And so we did the show, and I was like, wow, I was like, this feels good. I really like you know getting in there and like doing something that matters and like still joking about it. And so, you know, when I got back, I realized how stupid roundtable was. Not you know, not that I didn't love it, it was like I owe so much to that show. But I was just like, I want to do something that helps people on a regular basis. And so I was like, what if we found, you know, because I've always, I'm an eternal optimist. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm like, what if I did a show where I talked about all the shitty things in the world, but I talked about the good parts of those shitty things? Yeah. And, and so I hit up uh, Amber Nelson and my buddy Cena uh, Kaznavi. and uh, we just started doing uh, the show. And it, it like immediately, it like took a couple episodes to get its feet uh mm-hmm. i would say that to anyone trying to start out a podcast record oh, six, record six episodes and then put out the seventh you know like yeah get, get you know don't think you're going to be good the first time you do it because you're not yeah. and uh <laughs> and it's so we uh and so we did uh we did a bunch of episodes and then like things just like and then i think it was like our 12th episode when it really clicked and uh we yeah, had, we, I, something like that. It was about suicide because Robin Williams had just killed himself. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, every comedian was, you know, it was a great cloud over the comedy community for weeks after that. And one of our other buddies, who's a local comedian, uh he's now a great photographer, Neil Constantine. He had uh, dealt with some problems with suicide in the past. And I'm like, well, let's come on and, and talk about, it. he had two attempts and he lived through both. And, you know, like, I was like, let's talk about it. You know, I think people need to hear about, you know, how you overcome this thing right now. And so he came and then uh, we had a therapist on as well. And then right in the lobby, right before I go on uh, to record, because we used to do this at the Creek in the Cave, a uh, like a Mexican restaurant comedy uh, place that doesn't exist in New York anymore, but it's in Austin, Texas now. But in the just sitting at the bar randomly was Michael Che. And, you know, he's, really? an old, he's an old buddy. We started around the same time. And I was like, hey, I'm about to go do this thing. He's like, well, can I come sit in? Like he asked me and shit. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then it was the most cathartic, beautiful episode. And I was wow. like, there's no way I'm stopping this show. It's, you know, so now like it just exists to it's a free show you know like you know we, we we you know we we get paid through ads and stuff like that but it's a free show and so it just exists to you know brighten people's day and and i've gotten the messages i've gotten from doing that show just people telling me they saved my life and you know all this stuff and this and it's like this beautiful like i get long messages about it and it's just gorgeous and so i'll I'll never stop you know i'll just like i'll always i'll always keep doing that even amber like i don't like to talk about it but she stopped doing it for like a year and a half and then uh she moved out to la and then when i moved out here i was like you're doing the show again And then we were, you know, we just, you know it was. We now it's bigger than ever, and she's better than ever, and she's got another podcast about missing women called Someplace Underneath that wow. Everyone should check out that she does with Natalie Jean, Henry Zabrowski's wife, and uh, everyone, it, you should definitely check that. And uh, and then one, and then Roundtable ended up ending when all a couple of us moved out to LA, and last podcast on a left took off so much that now they like basically champion the entire network and we all like keep us all employed and all of our shows are doing well and the whole network's doing well and we have a little community we just did this big show at the Ryman Auditorium in uh like the old Grand old Opry together oh wow yeah I think we like came like this close to selling it out and it was unreal like every, every uh podcast did like 10 minutes and It was like a two and a half hour show and it was fucking awesome. And then at the end of the show, the, everyone left from round table came out and, uh, and did, and did that and it did it surprised the audience and everyone was so happy. It was, it was beautiful. So hopefully we do that again next year somewhere. You know, some of it's a time capsule, like the Robin Williams episode. I, I was lucky enough to have my mom on before she passed away. And like, you know, so it's like, it's beautiful that you have this stuff and like, I have friends that have since passed away who've been on the show, and you know, when you do something for ten years, you know, you don't realize in the moment that you're creating something that you can like, you know, go back and listen to and really love forever. And so yeah. it's it's a uh, it, the brighter side and roundtable have been beautiful for me in that way, you know.
0: So and I definitely kind of segueing with that. I I really want to go into this. I found out about too soon to watch it yet, but I'm planning uh, when we're done uh, later tonight watching this and that is uh how america killed my mother. And yeah. that goes dives into uh your mom's passing. You go into that uh what why you did that project, uh what brought about and what came about that for you.
1: Well, I'm an only child. I was the biggest baby born in Florida. Um <laughs> my 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 parents got divorced uh when uh like 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 Weeks after 9-11 on my 20th birthday, like, and so my mom and I got very close and, you know, we, especially after high school. And uh, when I decided to move to New York uh, to do comedy, my family's from Jersey. So I was like, you're moving to Jersey. And I moved my mom up to New Jersey. And I was just like, you're going to, I parked her next to her sister in Tom's river. And, and then I went up to New York and we're doing I mean, like years go by. She's the biggest champion for my comedy. She's going to shows all the time. And, you know, and she was a but when I was born, I was so big, I was 14 pounds, 13 and a half ounces.
0: Jeez. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so and uh, and she became a diabetic like right after I was, she had gestational diabetes, but uh, like six days after I was born, instead of like you know, because I don't know what you know about gestational uh, gestational diabetes. Uh, it's basically diabetes while you're pregnant, and then when you have the baby, it goes away. But in my mom's case, she then became a type one brittle diabetic which is like the worst you could be and wow. and it runs in the family and stuff like that. And so she dealt with it my whole life. Couldn't have any more kids. You know, she wanted like six and, you know, like, and so it was just, it's uh, just me and, you know, and then, you know, years go on, you know, my dad abandons us and we start, you know, we're we're poor, you know, Jesus. like, you know, we, we got no money. Like I'm eating like fucking, bread and peanut butter for a week you know but i'm still drinking but the uh the but you know, so like we're we got nothing and you know slowly but surely uh you know the cost of insulin and then you know and then you know diabetes is so heavy that you know she you know it gives ends up giving you brain damage you know over the course of she had it for 35 years you know that ends up giving you brain damage and so and then after that happened she developed a gambling problem and then you know like and then money was just it wasn't we didn't have a chance of money like anytime i made any money it went to like either paying like a gambling debt or for my mom or like fixing her car and like we didn't have a, you know it was Damn. a mess and so um and then after that like we finally get her going in a good place and you know i find out you know uh, she's they have to take she had an insulin pump that or like not a pump a uh you know something that check you keep it on you and it checks your blood sugar and if your blood sugar beeps you know you know that you got to uh you got to replace you know you got to like take some sugar or whatever and stuff like that and and one night uh then she her i'm sorry let me go back and then she had this she had this the machine and then tested her blood sugar. But then her job at a nursing home, she was an activities director at a nursing home, uh, changed the health insurance to, you know, better everybody, but it hurt my mom and they needed 800. They they said that if she wanted to keep that machine, that we had to give them 800 bucks. And, you know, back then, you know, Jesus. it might, it might as well have been five grand, you know, like it might have been, it might as well have been 10 grand. We didn't have it, you know, like it was you know, it would have taken me weeks to come up with that money, so she gave it back, and uh and then uh she died in her sleep because her sugar dropped.
0: Oh, dude! I'm like, so little, sorry to hear that. Man. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's a mess,
1: and so I was fucking furious, you know. And so yeah. I was just like, I was like, being poor in America shouldn't be a death sentence, and that's kind of the mantra of the movie, and so and I just got done making this jail special and i made the special oh. with jeff about the cops and i made this immigrant special where we uh roasted uh immigrants coming over the border and kind of shined a light on the whole how fucked up it is to for immigrants in this country and and so i had, like this training of like doing these emotional comedy movies and so i took my mom's insurance money life insurance money and uh I called up my buddy Travis who had made a couple films and uh, I was like, "Hey man, let's uh let's make a movie of me trying to figure out, you know, how what led to the death of my mother." And we made this short doc. It, it's you know, it, it did, you know, okay. You know, we didn't we distributed it ourselves on Vimeo, but like it's you know, it's still getting its footing, but uh I'm very excited we uh, I got I got I to announce it here. We got into the the Smog Castle Film Festival, which is Kevin oh, Kevin Smith Film Festival, and uh, we'll be it will be there uh, t- between December thirtieth and uh, or um, uh, November thirtieth and December fourth. He hasn't given us the time yet, but we're gonna wow. uh, play it there. Which is uh, it's a very New Jersey movie, and so I'm very happy to play it in Jersey for all these Jersey people. And you know, I've been touring with it, and it's that's been going well. Like uh, Travis and I will go to like you know wherever we have a connection like we did one in Columbus I did one in South Florida I did one in the movie theater that I used to go to with my mom all the time when I was a kid wow. it was very cool and I did Atlantic. one in New York I did one in LA and you know we'll have a talk we'll have we'll do a talk back because uh, Jeff's also in it so Jeff's like will host <laughs> we will we'll mediate the talk back and uh and uh Travis and I will answer questions and we did one with a uh, someone running for congress in Ohio and you know so i'm wow. very excited to do it in jersey like where everyone knows all this shit and so it's uh wow. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be great uh and i'm glad i just wanted to make the movie just cuz i learned during the process that you know our story is not unique and you know it's just saying you know, this happens to lots of people like a, a day every day people die from being from not being able to afford proper, proper medical care or you know, can't you know? You are starving because they, you know, they can't afford to eat, and or they can't fix their yeah. car so they can't go to work, and it just starts like a, you know, a vicious cycle. And so I was just like, you know what, you know, let's make this movie and let's start talking about this fucking issue, yeah. Because you know, we are eating our elderly. We're not even giving them a chance, and then you know, and they're so desperate, and I hate to use that word, but it's true that yeah. you know they start making bad decisions because nothing you know makes you make horrible decisions like desperation yeah and and so I, I just wanted people to know that you know they're not the only ones and and if we start seeing this in their family you can maybe you could step in and say something and because i feel like we live in this culture i mean you know the midwest no one talks about shit no. and <laughs> uh you know we live in this culture where no one it was like embarrassed about their problems and it's just like they make you who you are there's nothing to be embarrassed about, solve the problem, and like you know, and be you know, so it's just everyone digs deeper and deeper. And like my mom was always so embarrassed about the gambling thing that she wouldn't come to me until it was wow. entirely too late, and wow. it's just like you know, and then and then the, the way to fix it wasn't working either because there's you know, gamble, I. I'm not a gambler anymore. I've, I've like, I won't even do fantasy football. I can't even like, it just makes me depressed. Like if I it's poker, you. like if it's poker night, I go to the movies. I know it's fun and harmless and like, and if it's good for you, great. But you know, it's just like booze, you know, it's not for everybody, right. you know, and, like it was like some people, like it's great. And then other people, it ruins their fucking lives. Right. And so, uh, it's right. so like gambling's not for me and my family, you know, but, uh, I, I, I always, I just want to make sure that there's no way to like, no one helps with gambling. It's not an attractive thing to help with. Like right. I talked to this when I made the movie, I talked to this, uh, this gambling therapist. So when she was in Reno, Nevada, cause that's where my father was living. Okay. And, and so I, I was talking to her just interviewing about like what you do and like what she sees with people and the, she was telling me like, no one cares. And, you know, and how like head injuries are very, you know, problem gamblers usually have had a head injury of some sort. And I'm like, oh, shit, my mom's got diabetes. So she's brain damage. This makes a lot of sense. And and so and I, and I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, no one cares. And I was like, really? And she's like, yes. She's like, I'm officially, you know, pr- appointed by the state as a gambling uh, therapist. And I was like, oh, wow. She's like, you know, I'll tell you how much they don't care. My my license number is six. So this is no, <laughs> there's
0: just
1: <laughs> no oh, like she's like, there's only like like 30 of us, like, tops, that's insane, you know, in Nevada. And you there's know, so like, many people that have a gambling problem, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, it's just, and then I sent my mom to Gamblers Anonymous in Jersey, and it's all filled with like all these like gangsters trying to like you know pull oh. it over on her, and it's like worse that she goes there, and it's so, it's just like that's at a church you know and so it's just (laughs) (laughs) and so So it's it's sad really is what it is yeah everything's just it was just like a rippling effect you know and then you know like my mom wouldn't have turned to the gambling if she didn't need the money for medicine and stuff like that you know so it's just and it just and it just destroyed us and so I, i i made the movie about it and uh you know, probably wasn't the best financial decision I ever made, but it's out there and it's definitely helped a lot of people. Um, I know that the University of Pittsburgh uh, Medical School got a hold of it somehow and they showed it to all their students wow, and they amazing. said they're going to show it to their students every year. And oh, uh, amazing. and all the students like wrote me a letter together and said how they uh, they pl- they pledged to make insulin affordable. and like and, What's like, that and
0: feel that, like, by the way, man? I mean, like, haven't you had yeah. that effect on that. What's that feel like?
1: I mean, it's unbelievable. That's why I did it. You know, I don't no. even, like, honestly, I'm glad I lost money on this thing. You know, it's just, just for that alone. You know, it's just, it's all about, you know, it's the brighter side mentality. You know, the brighter side, I never thought would be anything. I never thought that it would do well, or I just wanted to put, like, positivity out into the world, you know? And then, uh, yeah. so I also feel like, you know, it's the last thing people expect from someone who looks like me.
0: You know, yeah. I, you know. <laughs> okay
1: you know i always just try and like you know like be like be a better dude and you know and uh i think that a lot of times you know people just through my comedy and the way i look people just assume i'm a monster and uh (laughs) and so i think it's it's good to like show like other tough dudes that it's all right Right. to be a little sensitive you know and and care about other people a little bit
0: a million percent i think too i'm i'm not sure if I'm quoting the right guy. I'm pretty sure it's Robin Williams. In mm-hmm. An interview I heard him do. It might be other comedians too, but uh, someone was asking like, "How are, how are you so good doing like dra- dramatic uh, acting?" And comedians, uh, he, he responded, "Comedians have the to be funny, you have to know the polar opposite." And a lot yeah. of comedians have a darker side. Uh, it's not all, all sunshine and rainbows, but also you need to know that polar opposite. Would you kind of concur with that? Like, does that help?
1: Yes, uh, I'm very lucky that I don't really get depressed too often. I still go to therapy. I started going to therapy. I never did it my whole life. I was like court mandated. Uh, but uh, the, uh, <laughs> but um, I, uh, I started going to a, a, a therapist when I released the movie because I'm like, this is going to fuck me up. You know, because I'm yeah, going to be doing yeah. I'm going to be doing interviews every day every about minute. my mom. Yeah. And then, you know, and my dad was very sick at the time, you know, and so Shit. it was it was a lot all at once. I'm like, so I just like started doing therapy as a preventative measure just for my own brain because I knew that I was going to get fucked up. Smart, and now yeah. I, I've stuck with it. And it's honestly, it's great. They have to listen to you. They like they yeah. have to hear your problems. And so uh, it's really uh, helped me like get my uh, my steam out. You know, so it's. Uh, I, I suggest it for anybody.
0: That's that's amazing, dude. Yeah, a great yeah. message. And that's why I started this show. I it started during lockdown. I have a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school. I, I teach Jiu-Jitsu and all that fun stuff. And that's cool. We were definitely closed down that whole time, dude. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, grappling wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And real quick, by the way, anything I could do to help uh, promote this for you, I will. So if you have anything you want me to get out, I, you know,
1: I go to howamericakillmymother.com and you can rent the movie there. Um, You could rent it or buy it. It's cheap. Um, I don't know what it is right now because we just ran like a. We ran a sale and so I don't know what it is, but it's nothing more than five dollars, you know, yeah. and and it goes a lot way a long way. It just goes back into basically recouping the money I spent making this film. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's 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 available uh, hopefully after the film festival, uh, a lot more people will see it. And I'm uh, I'm super pumped about that. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, just anyone, you know, who has dealt with any of these issues, they need to see this movie. And a lot of people like it'll it helps you grieve because I feel like no one prepares you for death and like dealing with your uh, uh, losing a parent you know and yeah and like no one talks about what the fuck that process is and I'm an only child and my dad was out of the picture and so I'm just like okay now. I guess now i got to plan a party, you know, like, it's just like, you know, so it's just like, it's the craziest thing, you know, in and out of funeral homes and it's such a hard thing to go through. And, you know, I just, I think people should watch it just to understand that you have to prepare a little bit for that stuff. Luckily yeah. my mom did a lot of preparing, but uh, uh, it was, uh, cause she was a very morbid person, but uh, the, uh, but yeah, no, and then I ended up losing my father uh two years ago to COVID, and so it was oh, uh shit. it kind of uh but luckily we were able to make up before i i uh oh. you know before he passed away and you know i, I we we were actually were by the time he ended up passing away we were actually pretty close again which was oh. very which was very cool and that's you crazy. know and that's how i end the movie i I go and interview my dad because I wanted to interview everyone who fucked over my mother. And then, so (laughs) the the final interview is my father. And so you'll have to see it to, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it's a, you know, because it's like, you could talk about the government, you could talk about the casinos, but you know, it's also like the ones we love who mess with us sometimes too. And,
0: you know, and, and
1: I, I find that for me, I mean, obviously like, you know, i don't know everyone's deal is different you know some people have very toxic parents and they should stay away from them but you know i was able to reconcile with my dad and thank god because if i would have regretted it for the rest of my life if i did and so yeah i'm I'm glad we ended up being buddies before he he split and uh and
0: uh, awesome
1: yeah and now i'm buddy now i'm friends with his his wife and her kid and you know, it goes on. They came to the wedding. You know, it's beautiful. So it's uh, it's great. I love
0: that, it. That's amazing. Um, Well, no easy way to segue back into comedy here. Uh, Let's do it. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I mean, it is part of life and everything. And uh, it is amazing. Yeah, meeting you. Um, I didn't get to talk to you much because, you know, there's such a big line. And, and uh, your cousin, Jeff, uh, uh, really gave a fuck, it felt like. Usually you meet somebody – and it's like, cool picture, you know, bye. And he asked, you know, my daughter, she's, you know, hey, what do you do? What do I do? And uh, just amazing people. You guys are all around awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask about, like, roasts, you know, like preparing for the roasts. First yeah. off, I had to ask, while I have you in front of me, was there anything that was, like, on? Un- got cut out? They were like, fuck, that would have been great in there.
1: Oh, and the, at the roasts?
0: Yeah, any, any of the roasts. Any, nothing in particular, any of the roasts. You're yeah, like man, I mean, that would have been.
1: You know, stuff always gets cut. You know, there's nothing to do. Like, you know, just imagine. Like, all right, so for example, the the last roast, uh, Baldwin, oh. Jeff set was like 16 minutes long, and they show eight. You know, so oh. it's just like you know, so they are only it's home runs only. You know, and so if you know, like, there's a couple jokes here and there. I don't even remember the ones that got cut and the ones that stayed in. To be honest with you, gotcha. uh You know, because. It, you just want to show, represent the best. If it gets cut, it gets cut. And, you know, it, it, the last thing you could do is stay so holy to something, you know, it, that, it, that you're not happy about the product that comes out. I mean, it was great. That was a fun fun roast. You know, the Caitlyn Jenner in fact, Caitlyn oh. Jenner coming out there and and, and doing what she did it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh I think I think she took a lot of shit for it, but I think it was also wonderful in normalizing the own uh, that community and yeah. and I think it did a, you know, it's it, I think it did a lot for that. I think it opened up um, eye, uh, people's eyes that normally wouldn't give a shit. And uh, kind of change that, and I, I think that's great. Um, so good things come out of this, uh, out of this stuff, you know. Uh, a lot of the Ann culture stuff, like, was cut oh, because it just got so really? mean ah. after a while, you know. Oh, really? Well, at the, you know, when it happens, it's just like, you know, if they're not laughing, like, yeah, people like to see a bully get taken down, but at the same time, if they're not laughing, it's not fun, yeah. You know, like, and like, like
0: those fucking dead eyes, it was like, oh, it was, yeah cold man it, it,
1: drove, it drove me crazy because if she was to sit there and like laugh about it she would have gained so much popularity people were like oh shit she's kind of cool around. yeah like it, like it, it, Jeff had to give uh Trump that note when they did the Trump roast oh, okay. Uh because it was like three comics in and he's not laughing and then Jeff had to go out to him and be like, "Hey, man, if you don't start laughing, we're gonna have nothing to cut to, and you're gonna he look knows. like a poor sport." And then he was like, "Oh, okay," and he like understood, and then, you know, and it, and it became a much better show because of it. And then you know, it, wow. and so, and you know, they. I've been working. That was the first time I ever worked on a roast, and I only worked on like the post-show stuff. I didn't even work on the material for the roast, mm-hmm. and so like no one even saw what I did. But uh, the. Then and then slowly but surely like I get one joke in on the Sheen roast, I'll get like and then that I got like one. and then I got like one joke in on the Roseanne roast and then after that, like from Bieber on, uh I'm like I've been, you know, the the guy next to Jeff, like we go and we work these sets. Like, you know, wow. we write hundreds and hundreds of jokes and we're trying them out at the clubs and all around the country. And, you know, and then so it's it's interesting that they get worked. And what sucks is, you know, like you write right out of the gate, you'll write some really funny stuff. And then uh, you know, by the time the show comes around, Jeff's sick of it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, but it's a good joke. You know, <laughs> and then. I think the important thing, I think a lot of people like roast for the wrong reasons. Uh, I think people like roast because how much they take down people and stuff like that. But, you know, I I think it's important to remember that you're there to honor that person, you know, and it's just like, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do to make sure that everyone walks away being like, you know, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did that. You know, and it's just, you know, you don't want to, you know, you want to go just on the border of them not getting pissed off. And, right. and, and sometimes <laughs> you know sometimes people get upset and then you know and it's weird like ludicrous got mad because everyone was making paul walker jokes and uh, yeah. uh and then, so, and then you, you, you know, and they were all like, fuck ludicrous, you know? And they're like, but now like years later, I'm like, oh, that was fucked up. We shouldn't have done that, you know? Yeah. like <laughs> you know, Because like, you know, I've since lost friends, you know? And it'd be like, if people like started making fun of them in front of me, I'm like in front, with a bunch of cameras pointed at me, who knows how I'd react. And yeah. so it's a, uh, you know, you gotta, it's, it's a party first, you know? Okay. And like, it, like everyone's gotta have a good time. And so, Now I figure out, I try to, now when I write jokes, roast jokes, like I've kind of evolved it. And I think you'll notice that if you look at Jeff's sets, because I primarily work with Jeff, I've done like very, a joke here and there for other people, but like I primarily work for Jeff uh, as far as roasts go. And uh, it's all about building them up and then a side comment. You know, and like, yeah. it's all about like, yeah. you know, it's like the rock star entrance, you know, you try to give them like the bit, you know, you try to make them it's seem dope. real cool. And then at the very end, like, ah, but that, you put your <laughs> hat, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like,
0: <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> it's says like a big party. Yeah. I, it wasn't nothing, uh, especially when like, like, like Jeff would go on Like you never felt like it was ill will behind it yeah. or, 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 or the, the champion of it all. Like Don Rickles, like the yeah. mean to right? me, like, yeah. yeah. there is nothing ill will by it, but you're in it. But that's interesting. I was about to ask you too. like, um, you know, doing this from your, your sketch, you start getting through like the stand up and, and moving forward, start doing these roasts. Like what are some of the biggest um, life lessons or takeaways career wise you've gotten?
1: Man, before I started like getting real deep in the comedy, you know, I would like blindly hate a celebrity. You know, but okay. like, like the perfect example is my whole life. I'm like, fuck Jack Black. I don't like his movies. I don't okay. like his face. You know, it's just like it's just like all this. I'm like, you know, it, it's probably just because I wanted to be him. You know, like, but like, you know, looking back and like <laughs> analyzing myself, you know, like, but you know, so I'm just like, he sucks. I hate. Him. And fast forward, uh, you know, years, and then Jeff's working the Jack Black roast for the Friars Club. It's a private roast, but there's oh. like. You know, there's two thousand people watching. It's at the Hilton in Times Square, and you know, it's a big roast, and you know, all these people are there. And so, I wrote for Jeff on the black on the Jack Black roast. I helped write for Amy Schumer on that, and um, and so and then the you know and then after the show, you know, I'm hanging out, and then like Jack Black has. Jeff and I at his like personal table with his family at the Friars Club and like we're sitting there and he's like being the sweetest man like hugging me like practically kissing me and like and then like we're in this like tiny little like restaurant inside the Friars Club and the, the Spin Doctors start playing for him like right next to the table and you know we're all singing along to the fucking Spin Doctors and he's got his arm around me and I'm like I blindly hated this man for years <laughs> And he is so kind and so nice, you know. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, obviously immensely talented. I was like, what is what? You know what? What is that little demon in your head? And so I don't, I don't hate anybody anymore. You know, unless they give me a reason to, I don't like blindly dislike anyone. Even like, you know, like even comedians who I don't like like their comedy, like mm-hmm. Carrot Top and Jeff Dunham and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it, I hung out with Carrot Top. It was a blast. He's the sweetest man in the world. You know, we're both lived in Boca Raton. We have stuff in common. You know, he's like totally, he's super nice. And he just wow. like wants to like be around other comics and not be, you know, like talked down to. And it's just like, what's wrong with me? Like these guys are, yeah, I, I don't like Jeff Dunham's puppet shit, but at the same time, you know, he's incredibly successful. i for a reason, respect it. You know, it's like, and, it's not like I have to worry about his fans, like not liking me because I like who gives a shit. There's enough for everybody, you know? And so it's just why I, so I don't hate anyone anymore. You know, I may not laugh at the jokes, but you know, like, you know, I respect it, you know, for, for all those guys. And so it's a, and I, I, yeah, Jack Black and meeting Kara Top 2. Like I was just like, I really like this guy. He's yeah. so sweet. He's <laughs> just a guy. He's just like the, the sweetest little guy. I, mean, I saw him little. He's kicked the shit out of any of us. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he would never. He would never. He wouldn't. He probably wouldn't kill a bug. You know. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so it's uh it's it's that's one of the the life lessons I've learned is just. Don't blindly dislike anybody, you know, make, make them earn that hate. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a t shirt.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna end things off. I don't want to take too much of your time, I know you're busy and stuff, dude. But, uh, as far as uh, the future, kind of wrapping up here, uh, what does the future hold? Like, what are future goals? You said, uh, uh with Smodcast, uh, with the film, can okay, go yeah. your overall goals and things like that. I mean
1: my goal is to just stay in this business and not become a cook again. You know, like (laughs) that's a, that's the main goal, you know, like, you know, it's a, I would say I like doing everything, you know, so I just want to keep being good and, you know, keep being positive and, you know, just like, I, just pumping away writing jokes i would love to make more movies you know but that's the hardest business to get into in the world and so but yeah my favorite thing in the world is movies i don't really watch television or you know sitcoms or anything like that and so i'm not really trying to get in that world because why would i try if i don't like it but movies i a huge movie buff i love music uh i'm trying to get i've started oh my god my favorite thing is during the pandemic here's what i want to plug uh during the pandemic i i I sent myself to dj radio uh, fantasy camp and so i just started i got a bootleg radio show that i do it's a big secret no one knows about it it's called the any (laughs) tunes two hour radio hour and uh it's available on uh on my patreon and basically i just play radio dj and i You know, I play some of my favorite music and then I I talk in between and like all genres
0: and stuff. And yeah, uh... all
1: genres, all genres. And I do themes like I did a Vegas set recently and like, you know, like a Beach Boys set. And then I do full like, you know, hip hop sets. And I'm really I'm a big fan of P-Funk. We didn't even get into, you know, my connection to them at all. I used to sell them weed in Tallahassee.
0: (laughs) uh, Always an in. Always an in.
1: But yeah, no. So if you want to check that out, I have a Patreon uh slash eddie and on there I'm always putting out music playlists and uh and the Eddie Tunes two hour radio hour. And then also if you just want the show and you want to listen to the radio hour, uh you can always hit me up on my socials, just DM me and I'll um I'll send you the old episodes. Uh 'cause oh, cool. It's not a, you know, it's for everybody. I just want people to listen to it. Uh, So I I don't do it immediately. Uh, So you send me a DM with your email address and I'll get it out to you uh, when I sit down and do them all at once. But uh, I would love that. And I'm Eddie Tunes uh, on Instagram and at Eddie Tunes underscore on Twitter. And then, you know, I exist on Facebook, but I'm pretty sure I'm at my friend limit. So we'll, uh, you know, you can, you can, I think you can still send me messages though. So, so please do. I read all of them. Maybe not the moment you send them, but, uh, and if you send me a really intense one, I've had this problem before. Like someone will send me like a really intense long Facebook message and I'll be like, oh my God, that's a lot. It's totally fine. Just know that like if I sometimes I need to read and digest it before I answer because I'm not a therapist, (laughs) Uh, you know, like, you know, it's like I can give you whatever answer I give you is like what, you know, a normal dude would think. You know, yeah. but like, you yeah. know, if you're having extreme problems, uh, I'm not your answer. A therapy, ther- uh, a lot of therapy. And sometimes medication is, but, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll help talk you through it a little bit. If I can, wow. uh, I, I always keep those doors open for people. Uh, but yeah, that's really, uh, it's, I love it, man.
0: Ed, thank you so much for taking time to do the show is, uh, I couldn't wait to talk to you and or ask you on the show. And the fact that you replied and, and, uh, took time on your busy schedule to do it super appreciative love your comedy love the sketch comedy everything man and uh i'm looking forward to all the the films and things like that as well
1: i really appreciate man you did your research it's really cool usually when i do things like this like the guy's like all right be funny you know (laughs) so this is nice thank
0: you man